You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Joe Biden says Hunter. You ready for this? Hunter Biden might join Joe Biden on the campaign trail. This according to a new print interview that the former vice president gave to the Reno Gazette. Ukraine gate heats up. President Trump claiming that texts prove no quid pro quos of any kind. With the Ukraine, including Ukraine President Zelensky. And folks, it's Friday. Some good news on this Friday. Stocks climb Friday after the unemployment rate hits a 50-year low. We're talking all of that plus Brexit. Brexit. The UK has just as interesting politics, if not more interesting, if I'm being honest, than the uh, politics here that we're going through in this political climate. So lots to get through today. Uh, these uh, Annie Carney in the New York Times reporting that President Trump insisted on Friday there was nothing inappropriate about his administration's dealing with Ukraine, playing down a series of text messages between American diplomats and a Ukrainian official that were released Thursday night, outlining his attempt to tie a possible White House meeting and military aid uh, with Hunter Biden. OK, so the texts, Ben Schreckinger, the texts. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks like the president is essentially saying nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Uh, anytime that uh, your inner circle is not only denying publicly uh, that you are looking for a quid pro quo, but denying to your own diplomats in text messages uh, that what you're looking for is a quid pro quo and then saying, let's stop talking about this uh, over text message, which is what Gordon Sutherland said to William Taylor, when he, he brought up his discomfort with the idea of withholding military aid from Ukraine uh, to take actions that would benefit uh, the president's re-election campaign, uh, you're engaged in, in a cover-up and, and uh, you know, it doesn't look good. All right, let's take a listen to what President Trump said earlier today about these text messages uh, uh, because he was asked about it at, at the, earlier today. Here's the president of the United States. The text message that I saw from Ambassador Sutherland, who's highly respected, was there's no quid pro quo. He said that. 
He said, by the way, it almost sounded like in general. He said, by the way, there's no quid pro quo, and there isn't. So he's saying, Miranda Green, no quid pro quo between the Ukraine, Kurt Vol- the, the then special representative for Ukraine, Kurt Volker, and U.S. ambassador to the EU, Gorner Sundland. Uh, so these text messages, though, it, 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 it's almost further illustrations of what we saw in the transcript, no? Yes, of course. I mean, these text messages basically set up the idea that in, in order to have an in-person meeting with President Trump, they were looking for something in return. Now, they didn't expressly say it, but they kind of teed it up in, these, in the text saying that they uh, wanted to kind of talk and uh, assuming they were going to do moves on the investigation into the energy company, then they would go ahead with having this meeting. Now, uh, Trump has, of course, denied that this is insinuating that there was kind of a you rub my back, I rub your scenario. But reading between these lines, having these visuals of this text, it definitely does not seem like it is just a casual conversation amongst friends trying to set up a, a meeting at the White House. I think that the obvious argument that they, you know, said, let's move this off of text message off also kind of raises alarms there because, again, they were aware that this is something that could come out. And it did. So Volker sent this text to the Ukrainian advisor on July 25th, quote, heard from the White House, assuming President Z convinces Trump he will investigate slash get to the bottom of what happened in 2016. We will nail down date for visit to Washington, end quote. Miranda, I mean, to your point, so here we have this continued case that's being built by the Democrats that there was quid pro quo. You know, I I actually saw a clip earlier today from Tucker Carlson on Fox News in which he said that he was uncomfortable even uh, with, with how this is being built. Now, Tucker's not saying that this should be impeachable, but he's saying that, that they're uncomfortable with this. So how how can the White House continue, or, or what, what communication switch are you going to have to see here, uh, you know? I think you text. saw that even in, in the statement. So uh, Kurt Volker's, uh, his statement was released today. Uh, he obviously testified in front of the committees yesterday. And in his statement, he even said that he was not aware of an effort to press Ukraine, walked back any negative feelings that, you know, the, the White House and he himself had about Biden. He, you know, basically said that he thought of Joe Biden as an above board dude, that he had worked with him for 24 years. He was a man of integrity. Very different statements and comments than the in-the-moment text messages we were seeing there persuading, you know, these Ukrainian officials to kind of look into Biden's son's connections in the country there and well, with the it, energy. All of this matters, Ben Schreckinger, for whether or not there's going to be any Republicans, Republicans in the Senate who are going to break away from President Trump. Right now, I, I don't see that. We'll talk about Romney in a second. But, <laughs> I, but but President Trump was asked about McConnell. And we actually have a soundbite of President Trump asking about whether or not he respects Mitch McConnell. Uh, let's hear for a little bit about what President Trump said earlier today about McConnell. Here he is. I have a lot of respect for Mitch McConnell. I know that I saw his statements and he thinks that this is ridiculous. He thinks it's unfair. So, Ben, I mean, McConnell's been saying for a while now that, you know, bring it on. I mean, the, the general thinking, I think we are, are all talking to the same people here. When you talk to McConnell's office, the House could impeach him, and then there could be like a day trial or a motion to dismiss in the Senate. 
Yeah, this is is not looking like it's going to uh, result in a conviction. Uh, it's going to be a trial uh, less for the benefit of, of the Senate, where it's more or less a foregone conclusion, more, uh, if it does occur, for the benefit of the electorate. Uh, both sides are, are going to be playing uh, to the voters who are going to go to the polls did you in see what Mitt, Did you guys see what Mitt Romney said today? I did. So he, he tweets out, Romney, Utah, Republican, never really liked Trump, tweets out, quote, when the only American citizen President Trump singles out for China's investigation is his political opponent in the midst of the Democratic nomination process, it strains credulity. Did I say that right? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Mitt. I don't know that word. To suggest that is anything other than politically motivated. By all appearances, the president's brazen and unprecedented appeal to China and to Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden is wrong and appalling. But I don't think anybody, I don't think Trump world cares at all, Miranda, what Romney thinks. Wrong and appalling. Uh, you know, Romney has come back into the Senate after being out of the limelight for a bit. And He's, he has not minced words when it comes to his thoughts on the Trump administration. Uh, he has kind of pushed back against many of Trump's policy proposals. I obviously think of climate change and kind of his thoughts on science when, when I think of the things that Mitt Romney has said that pushes back against Trump. So I do think that the Republican base knows of him as this guy who is not uh, not afraid to push back against Trump. So but yes, does it matter? So these statements probably don't carry the same weight as you know if another you know well-worn Republican were to say them and. And I can, we can also, you know, there was a statement that came out today from Senator Ben Sass, too, who is now a, an independent. You know, he made a statement that Americans don't look to Chinese commies for the truth. So, again, this kind of the, the comments that, that Trump made last night about uh, about the Chinese potentially also looking into the Biden scenario obviously rankled a lot of people, has a lot of tension within some of these Republicans that are moving much more moderate, becoming much more moderate, moving much more towards the middle. But whether that's actually going to be seen with other Republicans is yet to be seen. Also, of course, we're not hearing very much because it is congressional recess right now. And they have doesn't another feel like week. It. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't feel like it at all. Time is not slowing down. Then quickly, quickly. So, but I, I talked to a source yesterday, a senior source, uh, invo involved with the re-election campaign, who are saying that you know over the next couple of weeks you're going to be seeing the Trump re-elect as well as the president move away from this notion of. Uh, attacking Biden, so to speak, but by saying, look, he's not hes not talking to... I, listen, I'm relaying what this source told me, number one. I'm not saying I believe it. Okay. That he's not... They're not saying to the Ukraine, we want dirt on Hunter Biden. They're not saying to the Chinese, we want dirt on just Hunter Biden. They're saying, we want to root out corruption as a whole. And that's going to, according to this source, allow them to pivot away from this quid pro quo argument. That is the sort of two things that they seem to be trying to conflate here, right. using uh, corruption, as we saw in the, in the transcript of that call between tr Presidents Trump and Zelensky, uh, using corruption, I want you to look at corruption mm -hmm. uh, as a euphemism that's understood as, I want dirt on Joe and Hunter Biden. 
uh, as has been made clear by other communications that have come to light, uh, other things we've learned. So they can try to, to pivot away from this. Um, I think that it will you know, ultimately be up to voters whether they find it credible that, that Trump is very concerned about uh, corruption in Ukraine or, or more concerned about Hold that thought. We're going to have more on this. We're gonna, and coming up, we're going to talk about what this means for Democrats, uh, especially the Biden campaign. Did you see this interview that Joe Biden gave to, to the, the Reno Gazette? You, uh, I was but just wow. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, stay here. Miranda Green stays. Ben Streckinger stays uh, from The Hill and Politico, respectively. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden, gave an interview to the Reno Gazette just the other day. And he was asked by them whether or not uh, the Reno Gazette Journal, he was asked by them whether or not Hunter Biden whether or not Hunter Biden would join Joe Biden on the campaign trail. Yes, Joe Biden answered. And when pressed, Biden said that Hunter Biden lives in the West and that they hadn't worked out any specifics, uh, but that he, when asked why he would be an asset to the campaign, campaign, uh, Biden replied, quote, because he's my son, he's a fine young man, end quote. Hunter Biden really at the center of all of this, uh, impeachment talk and, and whether or not the president was asking the Ukraine president Zelensky for a for for a favor to look in on dirt and to look into Hunter Biden uh, to see in order to hold military frozen assets. I mean, week two now, folks. Uh, Miranda Green's here, congressional reporter at The Hill. Ben Streckinger, national political correspondent at Politico. Miranda, we were talking earlier about the latest in terms of the president's uh, ability to, to get through this or not to get through this. What about Joe Biden? Uh, we're just a week and a half away from the next debate. He's had Elizabeth Warren really make it even in the polls. Is he still the front runner? Well, he is still the front runner, though. Uh, Warren, of course, is kind of inching up closer and closer to him and definitely uh, getting a significant lead um, from where she was previously in polls. But, you know, I think Biden's strategy here has been really interesting. He has kind of taken the the sit back and wait approach. He has not directly commented on Trump's, he has not kind of made comments, confirmed nor denied any of the accusations that Trump has said. He has really largely just kind of deflected them. He has said that, you know, he spoke at a speech actually in Reno yesterday and he said that he, he, he kind of said that, uh, you know, they, that he wasn't going to go anywhere, that, that President Trump was a bully and that he basically said that his comments made it seem like he was afraid to go up against Biden and that Biden looked forward to the challenge. Uh, he talked at length to the crowd about the um, the impeachment process, kind of wanted to make them clear that Trump is facing this big hurdle and tried to tie the impeachment proceedings to why Trump was kind of lashing out at him and, and, and clearly just not looking forward to a 2020 race against him, it's insinuating that he thought that he would be the person up against Trump. Ben, when you look at the Warren and Sanders campaigns, how have they been or not been uh, playing into this Ukraine story against Joe Biden? Well, it's a little bit of a, a messaging dilemma for Democrats. 
because on the one hand, you want to seize on this apparent egregious abuse of office by President Trump. Um, and, you know, there may be a temptation to try to benefit at the same time from uh, some business dealings that, that Hunter Biden has had in Ukraine as well as elsewhere. Yeah, the nepotism element. That, that, that appear unseemly, um, but you don't want to appear to be capitalizing well, nepotism, on— Well, nepotism isn't illegal, Ben, but it still would make a lot of folks outside of Washington and parts of the, where I grew up uncomfortable. That's right. It's tough for Democrats to seize on that right now because they don't want to be seen as, as siding with Trump against Joe Biden. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was actually asked within the last couple of weeks uh, whether under a new ethics plan she'd released, uh, the, the son or daughter of the vice president would be able to serve on the board of a foreign company. And it sort of tripped her up. Uh, there's video of it. And she ended up by saying, I don't know, I'd have to go back and, and look at it. Uh, I think that's one thing that illustrates the dilemma here. Uh, we at Politico had a story this morning about how Biden's allies are upset with the DNC because the DNC has not really been out there defending him. The RNC has been attacking him and the DNC, uh, oh I think. See, uh, and that to me, like is that's tweet. a real beauty of an attack. I, I don't know. Is that going to... I, no comment. I mean, but but they've been attacked for having too by by the progressives for not being for having too many and, and playing politics of who got to be in the debate. And now Joe Biden's attacking them for not defending it. I mean, they're Biden's they're, allies, yeah, to be fair, not Biden true, himself. True, very true. Go ahead, Miranda. But but to that point, I mean, this issue of how long can the can <coughs> excuse me, can Biden uh, last without getting attacked by Warren on that front. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's controversy and it, it's right up there. And by not talking about it, it almost creates more controversy because it's this big elephant in the room. And the Democrats have not really been, you know, t- they've not been united on how to address this issue. Biden has taken a kind of backseat approach on this. But it raises the question of whether this is going to be fodder for the next debate, whether, you know, now because there are these three candidates are coming together, you know, it's it's Biden, it's it's Sanders and it's Warren are so close, whether they are going to start going on attack mode. And, you know, Biden's, uh, you know, his son's dealings with Ukraine could be one of those topics. And I'm sure that the moderators will, will definitely bring it up. But it also poses a question of dividing the Democratic Party at a time when maybe this impeachment proceeding can benefit them in the long haul. So I think that there is a lot of lot of behind the scenes communications about how deep to dig into this and how much, you know, credit to to kind of give. I mean, it's it's tough to even I mean, they've the Biden allies have made it remarkably difficult to even talk about the issue of nepotism because they they assume that if you raise a question about it, that you're 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 suggesting illegality. No one's suggesting illegality for for these folks in the debate, Miranda. Can Elizabeth Warren get up there and say and make the case absolutely that she disagrees with President Trump trying to, in her view, freeze assets to the Ukraine in order for Zelensky to get some dirt on this? But at the same time, can at the same time, can she raise the concern of, but by the way, your son didn't deserve to be making 50 grand a month on the board and wasn't qualified for the position. Can she make that argument, or is it an either-or? She can. I would be surprised if she were to do that. I mean, based on Warren's strategy, you know, she hasn't even been on attack mode against Senator Sanders, who, despite many opportunities to do that, because they are so similar in their their point of views, I think that they will definitely be straightforward with their thoughts on what President Trump has done, straightforward on the quid pro quo that he he appears to have given to the Ukraine and and now China. Um, I'm sure that they will try to, you know, raise that because, uh, you know, 
attacking Trump has been beneficial to them in terms of how they're doing. But I would be pretty shocked to see her be so blatant uh, about, you know, Biden's son because it it adds credibility to it. You know, by kind of addressing it, it, it makes it seem like, it, you know, it is true, which is which is what Trump is doing by saying he wants to look at kind of the uh, the corruption. You know, he uses this term as if it's already determined already that that, that something nefarious did happen when there's no proof of that. Well, Ben, same question to you. If not Warren, could another candidate raise the issue of nepotism while still raising concerns about President Trump and, and trying to get money or trying to freeze assets from Zelensky, as the Democrats believe happened, but still raising concerns about about uh, this this old way of doing business in Washington? It's very possible, as we've seen in the debate Who? so far. Uh, well, we, we've seen we've seen Kamala Harris and Joaquin Castro uh, go go after Joe Biden pretty directly. Uh, so clearly that's that's something that some of these candidates are willing to do. Who is it going to be? Uh, I wouldn't care to venture a, a guess. Because Beto and Buttigieg are going after each other now. Did you guys see this? They've been going no. after each other. Where Beto, I, I want to make sure I get their name. So Beto O'Rourke said that Pete Buttigieg is poll tested and only gives remarks that are in a focus group. Did you see this? Wow. Miranda? Missed this. So, I, I mean, like, again, <laughs> I have no life. I watch all of it. So, so there's so, two different sets of warring groups within the Democratic <laughs> Party right now. <laughs> so I guess I guess the thinking is that for Beto and Buttigieg, they're, they're going for the same lane as the alternative to Biden. If Biden were to crumble, Miranda, I see you nodding your head. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, they are they have kind of dipped in the polls. They both were, ex, you know, Beto O'Rourke was expected to be the star of this Democratic, you know, part group uh, at the very beginning. Um, I love how we in Washington are like, this person's going to be a star. As if like we're all like in Hollywood. Well, and then what do they say this... about D.C.? It's Hollywood for ugly people. I don't uh... know what that says about us. All right, coming up, <laughs> more politics good. and policy. We're going to head across the pond, as they say. Brexit. You've been following Brexit? It's a mess. Uh, <laughs> download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Hollywood for ugly people, folks. Here in Washington, D.C. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. So much impeachment talk, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. But I've been keeping tabs on Brexit. Boris Johnson, did you see this? Boris Johnson will send an extension letter 
uh, regarding Brexit. Boris Johnson, I'm reading from the BBC, will send a letter to the EU asking for a Brexit delay if no deal is agreed by October 19th, according to government papers submitted to a Scottish court. This just uh, three hours ago, and I was dusting up on it uh, uh, on the Bloomberg terminal as well. Alexandra Phillips is here, and Alexandra Phillips is a British politician. She was elected as a Brexit party member of the European Parliament for the South East England constituency uh, a couple of months ago. We're so thrilled to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. I love DC. Not many people do. (laughs) How is that possible? I prefer it to New York. You know, I, I, uh, I, okay. I I grew up outside of Philly, but anyway, so bring us up to speed. What's the latest with regards to Brexit? Well, what's fascinating actually is yes, there's this, that there's documents have been submitted to court because essentially the, the opposition in the UK do not believe that Boris is going to obey the law because now the opposition to Brexit has pushed forward a bill saying that he must ask for an extension if no deal is reached. And they've been very concerned he wouldn't actually obey the law. So they've taken this to the Scottish court and the government have submitted their evidence saying we are going to obey the law. And yet, two hours later, Boris Johnson tweets in almost Trump style, that we're going to leave on the 31st of October with or without a deal. So make of that what you will. Um, But we're, we're really in a very thorny situation now because a lot of the cards that Boris Johnson could play, uh, he's now restricted from using. We've had a Supreme Court ruling against him proroguing Parliament. I know it's an odd word, but basically closing down Parliament for five weeks. He, that's that's abnormal in, in, in British political precedent. And the Supreme Court, for the first time in British history, waded into the political sphere and have said to Boris Johnson, no, the MPs have to come back. So we're actually finding this sort of more litigious atmosphere in UK politics. And those people who really want to see Brexit reverse are actually going to the extreme levels of threatening to take the Prime Minister to court. Um, So he's effectively, I think he's going to have to ask the EU for an extension, despite having said since he became Prime Minister that he would absolutely not do that. Do or die were, were his exact words. Um, But then he's mysteriously tweeting he's not going to do that. And word on the street, if you will, is that he's going to go to particular other member states um, in the European Union and implore that they veto at European Council level the EU granting that extension. Alexandra Phillips is here. She's a British politician. She's visiting from across the pond, as they say. And we're talking about Brexit. You're very, you're from the Brexit party. uh, So you're very pro-Brexit. What do you say to folks who say this is going to wreak havoc on global on the global economy if uh, if 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 the UK goes through with this. It won't wreak havoc on the global economy. Um, In fact, what would wreak havoc on the British economy is remaining in the EU when Italian banks are skating on thin ice, when German manufacturing is in recession. And we've already seen from 2008, 2009, the EU's fiscal and economic policies aren't really particularly strong and and, and they're not to be trusted. I mean, we had to use our own currency to bail out the euro. And I think it's very clear that the euro remains in trouble and that actually an independent UK is good for the UK. And it's actually good for America too. Because That's what I want to ask you about because there's so much conversation here, Alexandra Phillips. She's a Brexit party politician uh, here in the United States that Brexit, if it happens, would just be an absolute nightmare uh, not just for Wall Street and big business, but for small business as well. So why, why, why are those 
people wrong. I mean, on some level, you were, you were semi-right about it being a nightmare for big business because the whole model of the EU protectionist, um, I, I like to call it the corporate cartel of big banks and big, big business, it's a one-stop shop for 30,000 lobbyists and the biggest companies and enterprises in the world to essentially sketch out trade policy and tariff and non-tariff barriers to suit their businesses. So on that level, it's been a big nightmare for small and medium-sized enterprises. And it's also been a big nightmare for global trade in terms of the EU's protectionist stance to, to defend their own manufacturing sees and put quite punitive tariffs on the developing world. And actually, as a G5 economy with a pivotal position in the Anglosphere, the UK is in a unique position, I, I really believe, to actually change the way that global trade has been happening, liberalise it and create bespoke trade deals with members of the Commonwealth, with America, with Canada, um, all around the world, in fact. And this is something that the EU is terrified about, having a completely different trading model on its doorstep that would, in effect, undermine the EU's protectionist model and directly competes with them. And this is no big secret. You know, you often hear in the European Parliament from both the Brexit negotiators and from the MEPs, uh, people saying what we do not want to see is a Singapore on Thames, a UK with a very liberal trade model that, in, in, in essence, will give other member states the idea that they can also follow a similar route. Quickly. And then you're going to stay for what's on your radar for our next segment. But what, what do you make of Speaker Pelosi and what she's been saying about Brexit? Do you know, th th this has kind of upset me, well, very much upset me, because she's turned around and said the US and the UK should only do a free trade deal if the UK respects all of the EU's conditions, which they say defends the, the Good Friday Agreement. Now, the Good Friday Agreement is the peace treaty between Northern Ireland and Ireland. And the chap who wrote that, the former first minister of Northern Ireland, sorry, so he the chap, should know. Sorry, just the go chap, ahead, sorry. The chap. <laughs> he actually won the Nobel Peace Prize for, um, for drafting that peace treaty between the two, has said repeatedly that the EU's demands for the UK's withdrawal actually is the biggest threat to the Good Friday Agreement. And leaving the EU and the UK pursuing independent trade policy doesn't risk it at all. And there's already an invisible border between the North and the South on the island of Ireland because they have different economies, um, they have different currencies, they have different excise duties. And that is easily traversed with off-site smart borders, right. trusted trader schemes, so on and so forth. And adding customs and, and you know different customs to that actually shouldn't be an issue whatsoever. Very. So the, the EU are very cynically playing this card. And I would even go as far as saying stoking up tensions quite willfully and cynically exploiting a, a sort of a, a healing scab to try and lock us in a, a trade union with them. Interesting. Stick around. All right. Coming up, much more of uh, from what's on the panel's radar. We're across the pond. We're here in impeachment waters as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent with Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It's time now for What's on the Panel's Radar. Miranda Green, Congressional Reporter at The Hill. Brent ben Schreckinger, National Political Correspondent at Politico. And Alexandra Phillips, she's a Brexit Party politician here visiting from across the pond. All right, uh, I'm going to kick things off first because today was jobs day, in case you didn't know. And uh, look, I mean, solid unemployment rate number. The unemployment rate dropped to 3.5%. That's the lowest in 50 years. Three point, it dropped to 3.5% from 3.7%. Uh, this month, according to numbers from the Department of Labor, employers added 136,000 jobs last month. That's slightly less than the 145,000 jobs that economists expected 
uh, and below the 168,000 pace from August. Larry Kudlow was on Bloomberg Television with my colleague Jonathan Farrow earlier today. Let's take a listen to what uh, Mr. Kudlow had to say earlier today. Here he is. I think the economy is now in a turning zone, and I think we've had a soft two quarters, but I think now we're going to be moving into a much stronger economic story. All right. So, you know, uh, solid jobs numbers. That's what's on my radar. The Bloomberg nerd in me is, is looking at the jobs numbers. Miranda Green, what's on your radar? Well, Department of Energy Secretary Rick Perry may be out of a job soon. So oh. I am following that. This is, of course, he's been caught up in kind of the Ukraine controversy. He led the U.S. delegation to uh, the Ukraine president's inauguration in May. So I will be following all that news and to see whether, you know, he is potentially leaving uh, by the end of the when year. When leave? The, uh, the reports are between November and December. But, of course, this is not the first time that reports have gone out that Perry has been leaving. He's one of the longest-serving cabinet members on President Trump's uh, committee. Actually, he's uh, he's outlasted quite a few numbers. So uh, this is not the first time that we've heard that he's leaving. So we'll, it'll be yet to be seen if it and happens. he's really been kind of boring, but for lack of a better term. He hasn't really Shockingly, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was on he was actually on dancing with the stars before Sean Spicer but aside from that he's been pretty boring yeah, he has not gotten embroiled in any per, uh, private jet travel or any used mattresses um, like, you know, previous secretaries have. Um, he's gone in one or two uh, red flag raisings with him trying to prop up the coal industry, but he's largely been kind of under the radar and quiet. Alexandra Phillips, our Brexit friend. I'm also up? looking at jobs. Really? And most importantly, my own job, wow. because I am hoping to not have one after the 31st of October. Because wow. Brexit should be delivered. I should be out on my ear, no longer sitting in the European Parliament. So you don't even want a job. That's kind of an interesting, like if you're advocating for Brexit, but you don't want a job. So what would you? OK, so by October 31st, Halloween, this could all be settled, this Brexit issue. Sadly, I don't think it is. I think that's almost <laughs> an impossibility now, which means I get to keep my job, um, which is what I don't want. I'm the first politician that you'll probably have met who actually wants to be booted out of office. Interesting. All right, Ben Schreckinger, what's on your radar? The quarterly fundraising results are in for the Democratic presidential candidates, and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are leading the pack. Uh, neither of them hold high-dollar fundraisers, so it's sort of a, an indication that there's a quiet revolution uh, in the way that these campaigns work, uh, and, and that not only are they uh, getting to make a point to voters by not by not going to these fundraisers. They're saving a lot of time by not going to these fundraisers. Uh, and they're raising more money than Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden are. So I think that's quite a big deal. So how does Biden campaign world respond to that? Because you're saying, and the evidence suggests, that Warren and Sanders are killing it in the, in the populist fundraising battles. They, they had a soft quarter. Biden's fundraising hall is actually down. Uh, they're going to have to come up with a good answer. Uh, because uh, fundraising was supposed to be one of the advantages that Joe Biden had going into this, and he's, he's lost that advantage, at least for now. Yeah, and of course, everyone is looking to see kind of if, you know, Warren and Sanders can kind of bump Biden off of the top here. And so seeing these numbers dip is kind of the first indicator that he is losing strength here, especially as polling numbers show that they are, you know, climbing and getting closer to him, too. I'm going to be honest. So uh, we, we Americans, as we like to say, Alexandra Phillips, our Brexit politician friend, uh, we think Brexit's a mess. We think that, you know, when, whenever we watch what's going on over there, we're like, wow, we think Congress is a mess here. Just <laughs> look at them. What do you think of this impeachment chatter 
uh, the, here in the United States. Well, look, I mean, ever since Donald Trump even had a whiff of uh, probably becoming the next president, the Democrats have been trying to stop that from happening and uh, they haven't accepted the, the election results and it's conspiracy theory and attack and strategy after strategy. So it, it just seems like the same old, same old. But the big question for me is what's actually been going on with the son? What's he been doing? Why is all the focus on Trump? Because it seems to me that something very fishy has been going Biden? on. Yeah, what's, what's been going on? It seems like something very fishy has been going on. So it's quite confusing that everyone's up in arms about the, um, President Trump's phone call. Where's all the heat on Hunter Biden? What do you think of Elizabeth Warren? Because she's perceived as a populist here. Yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I'm going to be truthful. I don't know a great deal about her. But I, I think that she probably comes across as a lot more sane when it comes to the left wing of American politics than wow. perhaps other characters. And I've been told by some of my American friends, she could be probably a, a, a fairly credible choice for the left. Um, but, you know, I, in terms of uh, the Democrats over here, I, it's... I, I don't really know if there's a standout candidate. I couldn't really name many. Very, very interesting. All right, our thanks to uh, Alexandra Phillips. She is a British politician. She was elected as a Brexit Party member of the European Parliament for the Southeast England constituency at the European Parliament elections in May 2019. Of course, our thanks to our friends, Miranda Green, congressional reporter at The Hill, and Ben Schreckinger, national political correspondent at Politico. That does it for me. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Brexit, Jobs Day, impeachment. Wow. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel. It's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.